Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Problematic Women, a podcast and Facebook live show that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of liberal feminists. My name is Kelsey Harkness. I am a senior news reporter and producer here with The Daily Signal. And I'm Bree Payton, staff writer at The Federalist and friend of The Daily Signal. Today, we have a lot to get through in our That Happens segment. If you stay with us, we are going to give you a very in-depth breakdown of this whole situation involving the discredited author Michael Wolff, who is spreading a baseless rumor about Nikki Haley and President Donald Trump having an affair. Hillary Clinton decided to lend Michael Wolff a microphone, and we're going to tell you exactly how this all happened and what we think of it uh, shortly throughout the show. But first, let's get to the State of the Union. So on Tuesday, Kelsey and I were here at the Daily Signal doing Facebook Live coverage and some preview stuff uh, on the State of the Union. And you and I talked about how women have fared economically under the Trump administration uh, over the past year. Um, I rattled off a couple of statistics during the Facebook Live show. Uh, 56% of women say in a recent... um, I always mess the name of this up, so I'm going to mispronounce Quinnipiac. All right, there we go. I always call it Quinnipiac, and then everyone laughs. <laughs> so anyway, this recent poll that was conducted, 56% of women said that they were optimistic about the state of the economy. Same time last year, when this exact same poll was conducted, only 45% of women said that they felt optimistic, so this is an 11 percentage point bump. Uh, the average take-home pay that a woman took home over the past year increased by 2.5%, which is significant. Uh, so those are just a couple of the ways. And also, people's paychecks got bigger. You thanks, were saying that thanks, yours got bigger, too, thanks to the... Thanks to President Trump and Republicans' tax reform plan, women and men are taking home more money in their pockets. I think it's interesting that um, when you consider the Quinnipiac poll about uh, how women thought the economy was doing, I think a lot of that depended on what they were hearing in the media. And if you were listening to CNN and some of these other cable news networks, things were pretty terrible. And this tax reform was going to be detrimental to People our People were going to die. Remember, Nancy Pelosi told us we would all be dead if, we vo- if they voted for this. Now we're stuck taking no home dead. a few crumbs <laughs> aka a few oh, thousand right. dollars oh my god <laughs> so um so i think women are doing well and i also think it's important to note that um you know these are the issues women care about it's not just issues like abortion and birth control ultimately what empowers us at the end of the day is having more control over our families and how we spend our money and having more money in our pockets to spend yes and i also think that um you're right that it's interesting that so many women felt optimistic and good about the economy despite the overwhelming barrage of neg- negative media uh coverage that has covered Trump and his handling of the economy. And speaking of polls, so several after Trump delivered his State of the Union address on Tuesday, uh, a CBS snap poll found that 75% of those they asked approved. They liked Donald Trump's State of the Union speech. A CNN snap poll um, found that 70% of individuals approved of slash liked the speech that he delivered, which I was really surprised when I saw the results of the CNN snap poll because I was watching CNN coverage of the State of the Union and I was watching the panel and their analysis of this. Uh, and it was 
really quite stunning to cut from the State of the Union, cut to the CNN panel where Van Jones had a meltdown. (laughs) I think we have a little clip that we're going to show you of him just absolutely freaking out. Master salesperson used all of those stories really well. He was selling sweet tasting candy with poison in it. (laughs) What he said, no, what he said about those young people, he implied and he did it deliberately that dreamers are gang members. Yeah, so I think he's conflating two issues there. Because in the speech, President Trump talked about MS-13. He had those two family members whose daughters were killed by gang members. And he used them to send a more toned down message about the seriousness of why we need greater border uh, border security. And then um, he was, you know, I think on the other hand, he was um, talking about... Uh, Right, the, the the Dream Act. The Dream, yeah. yeah, the Dream Act. Yeah. And those well, he, are two very said, different issues. Right, and in his State of the Union speech, he even said that he would extend a pathway to citizenship for Dreamers. He just wants other things like the visa lottery system, which people who have committed violent crimes and com- tried or attempted or even followed through on acts of terrorism have been brought here uh, under... Uh, the the lottery system and other things like that that he is seeking to end and seeking to reform, um, you know. So I think it's perfectly legitimate to say, listen, violent acts are happening by individuals who are slipping through the cracks. We need to tighten that up. Um, and I think Van Jones's analysis of Trump's State of the Union speech is just completely off base. And I mean, here's CNN's network. The panel is saying things like that. Meanwhile, the people that the network is polling, 70% of them approve of it. So I think that that just highlights this huge, huge, huge discrepancy between what real people think about Donald Trump and the things that he says and his message and what members of the media think about that. Well, it's interesting because I think Van Jones sometimes can be reasonable and understand where Republicans and conservatives are coming from. And I think the reason that so many Americans approved of this speech and actually liked it is because it was very toned down and he stayed on script. And it really shows the potential of what he could do or who he could be if he did stick to the script and forget about some of the sideshows that happen. So for that you know, extreme of a comment to come after what I think the country agreed was a pretty good toned down speech, I think just um, was a bit irresponsible. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And just, you know, totally off base and just like it's evident that, you know, he and other individuals on the panel also are just living in their own world. Um, And speaking of people who are living in their own world, Poll after poll has shown that 70, I think it's it's over 70%, I think it's like 72 to 73% of Americans think that abortion should be restricted to at least the first trimester. This is according to a Marist poll, which is conducted every single year, um, and it's about, it stays about that number, um, give or take, every year. Uh, meanwhile, senators had the option to pass a ban on abortion that would restrict abortion to 20 weeks and protect babies up to 20 weeks in the mother's womb. Um, And Democratic senators decided to vote against that. And then they even high-fived each other. 
high-fived each other. It's, yeah. You know, I believe there's actually a piece in The Federalist talking about how Europe is so progressive and so often Democrats and liberals are looking to what types of policies Europeans are enacting to bring those, import them here to the United States. But on the issue of abortion, um, abortion is not legal up to 20 weeks in the majority of European countries. A right. lot of them have very res- restrictive Many abortion Many restrict to laws. the first trimester. Exactly. Exactly. And somehow this is still acceptable here in the United States. Um, It's interesting because this is coming from the quote unquote party of science. And every day we have more and more babies surviving outside of the womb at 20 weeks. I think it is only a matter of time until uh, this proposal becomes law. But this this is unfortunate because I know this is something the pro-life community has been pushing for for a long time. It continue, continuously passes a Republican majority House, but it just cannot get through the Senate. Yeah. I, I mean, it's Honestly, it's barbaric when you think about it. All right. In other news, Kelsey is a racist. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Conservative blogger Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire is scared of women doing yoga, saying that not all of them are automatically going to hell. So you're not automatically going to hell, but you're definitely a racist, according to a Michigan State University professor who said that yoga is perpetuating... um, white supremacy and is exercising cultural appropriation and all of these other terrible, terrible things. So Kelsey, explain yourself as a yoga instructor, certified yoga yes. instructor, so, nonetheless. For those who don't know, I I am a certified yoga instructor. Um, I do yoga multiple times a week. I love the practice. Um, I actually have a yoga blog on the side called at capital yoga girl on Instagram. You can go follow me there. Um, and so whenever these yoga articles pop up, people are always sending them to me, asking me to respond. And I actually find myself in a very difficult position because, so this professor at the university of Michigan is, is saying that if, if, if you are white and you are doing downward facing dogs, you're contributing to a system of power, privilege and oppression. Um, and you're promoting a yoga, yoga industrial complex. (laughs) This is tough because yoga does have historical roots. And I always tell people after going through the 200 hour certification process, you learn so much about yoga that you didn't know that you almost walk out of your certification feeling like you actually know less than you did walking into it because you get exposed to so much about the practice that you didn't know. And there there are just endless amount of materials that you could read about the practice. And it's so it's so interesting. It has it has such a history, but that history is complex. It is not as simple as us taking a practice that was some, you know, religious practice in um and shipping it into the United States. The United States has really made it their own. And, you know, if you go to any yoga class here in the United States, you're not worshiping some God that you don't know. It's it's mostly about the physical um, and creating a connection between the mind, body and spirit. And that spirit can be whatever that your spirit is to 
to you. You can connect with whatever, whatever religion um, you believe in. And so there was just a lot of crazy yoga headlines this week um, accusing people who participate in yoga as, you know, being part of the system of oppression. And then we had conservative blogger over at the Daily Wire, Matt Walsh, say what you just referred to Um about he, he's basically saying he's scared of women who do yoga and they shouldn't be if you're christian he, this is what he said if you're christian then you shouldn't be doing yoga because you're worshiping a different god and i just think it shows he's incredibly ignorant of the practice i was trying to ask him if he's ever actually tried a yoga class or not he did not answer so tbd on that but i just have to say <sighs> These types of articles are why people hate conservatives, because they think we're so uptight that we that we don't even approve of yoga. I mean, come on. So many people in the United States use yoga just for physical practice to stay in shape. And to this University of Michigan professor, I don't think anybody should be shaming people out of doing yoga because it has been shown to have so many positive health benefits um, that I don't think you should feel guilt about participating in some sort of system of oppression. To conclude, yoga can be whatever you want it to be. If you want it to be a spiritual practice and you're a Christian and you want to use it to connect with God on your mat, the, the practice is open to that. That's what's so great about it. It can be different things to so many different people and you can respect its historical roots while also making it your own. Yeah. And also his uh, worries that this was a pagan practice at once <laughs> at one point in time and, all, you know, worried about all those things. And if you're doing it, even though it's been stripped away from the pagan origins that, oh, you're still worshiping a demon god. I think we should also point out the fact that Christmas trees <laughs> were once a pagan thing that people would, you know, bring into their homes. Um, so many of the things that we do were once pagan things and I think also that speaks to how awesome western civilization is because it can take things that are pagan and you know make them our own exactly well that wraps up our that happens segment we will be right back for the entire breakdown of this Michael Wolf Nikki Haley controversy stay tuned So a lot has happened since our last episode of Problematic Women. So much, in fact, that I thought it was necessary to establish a timeline of the hypocrisies, the layers of hypocrisies that occurred. So the following events involve three key figures, Michael Wolff, Hillary Clinton, and UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. This is a little bit long. So bear with me while I break down everything that happened, because I think it's very important to understand. So here's the timeline. Nearly two two weeks ago, discredited Fire and Fury author Michael Wolff went on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. Maher asked Wolff to disclose if he learned anything in his time inside the White House that he did not choose to publish in his book. Here was Wolff's response. But And I know you've been out talking about it all. I want you to tell me something that the other people have not noticed in this book. Is there something that you think, boy, why don't they ask me about this that I put in there that they're not talking about? There is, but I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> so well, there is something. you, Mike. <laughs> Teasing us like that. There is something in the, in the book that I... Was absolutely sure of, but it was so incendiary that that I just didn't have the 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 ultimate well, proof. God, the, 
the, considering what he's done, what is it a woman thing? Well, I yeah, I didn't have the blue dress. Um, <laughs> now, is it about a woman? It is. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, it's somebody he's now. It is. Oh. So we apologize for the profanity. Kind of forgot about that, but. Online speculation quickly pointed to U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina. And it's worth noting that since that interview, Wolf has done nothing to dispute the conclusions that he was referring to Nikki Haley. The reason people concluded that it was Haley he was talking about was because Wolf wrote at the end of his book that Trump has been spreading, quote, a notable amount of spending, quote, a notable amount of private time with Haley on Air Force One and was seen to be grooming her for a national political future. By the following Friday, January 26th, Politico's Women Rule podcast published an interview with Haley where the ambassador was asked to respond to these rumors about her having an affair with the president. Here is that clip. At every point in my life, I've noticed that if you speak your mind and you're strong about it and you say what you believe, there's a small percentage of people that resent that. And the way they deal with it is to try and throw arrows, lies or not, to diminish you. So that same day, the New York Times published a highly unflattering story about Hillary Clinton shielding her senior faith-based advisor, Burns Strider, from being fired after he was accused of sexually harassing his female subordinate. Clinton's campaign manager at the time recommended that she fire this advisor, but instead Clinton chose to protect him by docking his pay for a few weeks and ordering him to go under undergo counseling, which he reportedly never actually did. Meanwhile, the young woman was moved to a new job as if she did anything wrong in this situation. The next day, which was this past Saturday, January 27th, BuzzFeed published a follow-up story to the New York Times piece saying Burns went on to land a senior role at... Clinton's super PAC, where at least in three separate instances between 2007 and 2015, he harassed more women. You can read that story over at BuzzFeed. So the next day is Sunday, January 28th. It's the Grammys. Artists, along with Hillary Clinton, decided to lend Michael Wolf more airtime by reading passages from his discredited book on national TV. Of course, none of these celebrities or Hillary Clinton addressed his smear campaign against Ambassador Nikki Haley or the fact that Clinton was just accused herself of shielding a sexual harasser. The audience got a huge kick out of this video, laughing while simultaneously simultaneously wearing hashtag Time's Up pins, which signify that they stand for women. Here's a clip of Hillary reading from that book at the Grammys. He had a longtime fear of being poisoned. One reason why he liked to eat at McDonald's. Nobody knew he was coming, and the food was safely pre-made. That's it. We've got it. That's the one. You think so? Oh, yeah. The Grammys in the bag? In the bag. Funny, right? (laughs) Fast forward to this Tuesday. Instead of apologizing or walking back his crude comments about one of the most prominent women in public office, Wolf doubles down, saying in an interview with The Skim that Haley, quote, embraced, unquote, the rumors to her benefit. Here is what he said when speaking with The Skim. 
when, you know, when we look at the last, especially in the last week since um, you went on television and said that, there's been um, a lot of speculation that you were referencing Ambassador Nikki Haley. And so Ambassador Haley has, has come out quite vocally um, really distraught about this, especially in or, the Or moment. she seems to me, I would say she seems to have embraced it. Well, why do you say she's embraced well, it? Well, I don't know. All she does is, 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 um, is, is hammer on this fact. I mean, if I were being accused of something, and I'm not accusing her of anything, I mean, she hasn't tried to avoid this, let's say. And there is no one. I'm so now it's her fault. So he's accusing her of this, or I'm sorry, he's not denying. He's that not only she's not denying, he's accusing her of embracing this rumor yeah. to her benefit. So really. you get accused, and then when you say, no, this isn't true, it's your fault that any of this happened in the first place and that you're saying no to it. Okay. Continue. Yes. So the skim, which is a women's um, daily morning news email meant for women went on to ask him after he said these really inappropriate comments about Haley went on to ask him more generic questions about his book because at that point his book definitely deserves more legitimacy he deserves more airtime right meanwhile Tuesday it's Tuesday so it's State of the Union night Super Bowl politics Hillary Clinton conveniently releases a statement at 8 45 p.m that night about her decision not to not to fire the senior faith-based advisor burn strider um so trump is about to give his state of the union address and on facebook in part it was a very long statement but in part she wrote i very much understand the question i'm being asked as to why i let an employee on my 2008 campaign uh keep his job despite his inappropriate workplace behavior the short answer is this if i had to do it again I wouldn't. I did this because I didn't think firing him would be the best solution to the problem. He needed to be punished, change his behavior, and understand why his actions were wrong. The young woman needed to be able to thrive and feel safe. I thought both could happen without him losing his job. I believed the punishment was severe and the message to him was unambiguous. So finally, at this point, the media starts to catch on because up until this point, they had really been silent on the Nikki Haley rumored affair. The media begins denouncing Michael Wolf for spreading these rumors. For example, Axios reporter Jonathan Swan tweets to Wolf on Wednesday saying, quote, it must be fun to write and say whatever you want under the banner of nonfiction with zero fact checking or basic decency. This morning, then MSNBC had him, had him on their show, Morning Joe, where Mika throws him off on air mid-interview. Here is a clip from that. Point in time where we are is when you're talking about a woman who's a high-profile woman in the well, Trump administration let me, let me, let me to interrupt. go after her without any evidence, without any facts, it just seems that it is so irresponsible. Well, first thing, I didn't go after her. And secondly, what I, um, what I, certainly what I meant was I found it puzzling that she would deny something she was not accused of. Wait a minute. Can I just step in here? Let's let's put this next question, uh, the entire credibility of your book, which was written really quickly. Excuse you, me. Your book. Yes. Uh, let's 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 put it on this next question. <laughs> Do you regret inferring anything about Nikki Haley? I, I, I didn't infer anything about Nikki Haley. What I inferred was that the president is um, 
um, is that m many of the people around the president believe he is still involved with various women. No, but you said she spent a lot Hold of time and private time with. That's I totally, I totally. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what people report. And now, and specifically, that was about her bid to become the Secretary of State. So everywhere in the White House, okay. they were suddenly in a. In, a, in, in, in quite a panic that this was actually happening, Michael, which is why they pushed Pompeo she out. Michael, has embraced it. Um, I, I'm going to go as far as to say that you might be having a fun time playing a little game, dancing around this, but you're slurring a woman. It's disgraceful. It's, and and um, Mika, again, she has been accused of nothing. She has decided to deny what she has not been accused of. Right. Certainly, I didn't accuse her of this. Mm -hmm. Wait, are you, are, you I, suggesting I, you that, are you suggesting that the language is not uh, ambiguous in any way in the, the things that you've said and the way you've Come on. stated it? Are, are you kidding? You're on the set of Morning Joe. We don't BS here. Well, I, what's... Read me the language. Tell, Are tell you me. kidding me? I'm yeah. not reading well, you anything. Play the Bill if you don't get it, if you don't get <laughs> yeah, what we're they, talking they, about, I, I, I'm sorry. This is, this is this awkward. Is. You're here on the set with us, but we're done. Michael Wolf, thank you. We're going to go to. So Michael Wolf was kicked off the show, and with his tail between his legs, he took a cue from President Trump and took to his Twitter feed to start personally attacking Joe and Mika while continuing to deflect any blame from himself. That was a very strong move on behalf of Mika, but I think it's important to keep in mind while we, she should be applauded for kicking him off on air because he does not deserve to be there. He never deserved to be on the air in the first place before the scandal even happened. But all that said, it is safe to say, Bree, that you and Ambassador Nikki Haley is our problematic woman of the week. <laughs> that was a lot to unpack. Tell me your thoughts and tell me... Whether you think it's fair to say Hillary Clinton was in part complicit in this whole scandal or whether she bears any responsibility for being one of the people who is out there legitimizing Michael Wolff and his book. Yeah, I think she definitely deserves to be criticized for uh, lending a microphone to this book that is filled with on top of the Haley allegations, which he did besmirch her, uh, and his whole cheeky little act about, I didn't accuse her of anything. I mean, ever, anyone with, you know, half a brain can see through that very obviously. If MSNBC obviously. sees through it. If MSNBC sees, which they don't have BS on their set. <laughs> that line made me laugh. But anyway, because they, they do all the time. But anyway, no, I think um, Hillary Clinton definitely deserves to be criticized. I mean, she positions herself as the champion of women, and here she is hyping this book that is slandering Nikki Haley. Um, and on top of that, it's filled with typos. It's filled with uh, factual inaccuracies. In several of the portions of the book, he's admitted that some things that people told him were completely off the record. Um, and he just decided to publish those snippets after this individual's died. Uh, which is completely ridiculous. I mean, you know, as a reporter, you know that when you give someone the opportunity to say something off the record, it's off the record for forever. Um, 
I so, think I think peak hypocrisy was at the Grammys when the media was completely ignoring the rumors that Michael Wolf had started about right. Nikki Haley when they had Hillary Clinton on that screen lending his book a microphone, as you said, and while other celebrities were out there with their hashtag times up me too statements as if they care about women and they put up someone on the screen who has been launching a smear campaign that they conveniently ignore because I believe because Nikki Haley is a conservative. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I also think, you know, who is the person that was reading the excerpts aloud, right? The excerpts of this book that's besmirching someone and insinuating really gross and sexist things that a woman can't get promoted, can't get ahead unless, you know, she's doing something shady with a man. Um, the person who is reading excerpts from this book and lending this book a microphone is none other than Hillary Clinton themselves, who champions herself, uh, you know, a, as a warrior for women, as someone who is a feminist, blah, blah, blah. And yet, literally at the exact same time, it was discovered that she kept a staffer <laughs> on her staff who had repeatedly sexually harassed women and moved the woman around who complained about it to get him away, get her away from him, um, you know, who had has silenced other people who have accused her husband of sexual assault. I mean, this is someone who is so hypocritical about this issue. And here she is doing the exact same thing again. Well, it's a good way to wrap the show because this is the theme of our show to point out the hypocrisies that so often come out from the feminist left. And I think this was kind of a, I don't even want to use perfect, but it, it was such, such a, such a demonstrative example of how hypocritical all the Democrats and the celebrities and everybody who is out there trying to pretend like they stand for women often are. And it's I'm glad to see that they're finally facing that and acknowledging that it's not OK what Michael Wolf is saying. I think the only positive thing to come of this is that I, I, I think Michael Wolf just lost a lot of his credibility that he never should have had in the first place. I, I hope we are not going to see him on our TV screens anymore because he does not deserve that platform. But that wraps up our show today. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know a problematic woman, please let us know. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal and on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore Peyton. And you can read all of my work over at TheFederalist.com. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist and is produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal. You can tweet segment ideas to her on Twitter at Lauren Liz Evans. If you like this podcast, please lend us your support by rating us and subscribing it on to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you sharing problematic women with your friends and for supporting strong conservative women who are standing up for America's culture. Have a good one.